6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, October 5th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Up ahead, we go inside Kern Valley State Prison, the site of a brutal incident between corrections officers and prisoners. That's coming up on the California Report. Then, NASA's SpaceX Crew-5 isn't just hurtling towards the International Space Station. It's making history. Hear about an exciting new first on tonight's National Native News. We've got your local news and weather before KVMR's Felton Pruitt stops by for your Nevada City Chamber report, including a preview of all things spooktacular. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. You all know gas prices are high in California, $6.42 on average in the state, according to AAA. Production issues at refineries are being blamed for this skyrocketing price. But as KCRW's Andrea Batista in Los Angeles tells us, relief could be on the way. The calendar may say fall, but Governor Gavin Newsom has given the go-ahead for California refineries to make the switch to winter blend gas, which is cheaper. While facilities in the Golden State typically make the conversion in November, the California Energy Commission confirmed refineries started the process Friday. Analysts predict making the switch will help bring down gas prices by about a dollar, but just when drivers will start seeing the savings is unclear. Some experts believe prices could start tumbling in a few weeks, but others are saying it'll take a month or so. Winter blend gas may be easier and cheaper to produce, but it emits more pollutants. Environmental advocates worry rising smog levels could be the cost of falling gas prices. For the California Report, I'm Andrea Bautista in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, south of the border, Tijuana gas stations are capitalizing on California's record high gas prices. In Mexico, KPBS reporter Gustavo Solis found several stations advertising cheaper gas to commuters heading to San Diego. The signs are everywhere, written in big, bold letters spelled out in English. Last chance to save on gas. That's how Tijuana gas stations near the border are marketing themselves to northbound travelers. A woman named Mercedes who lives in Mexico and works in San Diego started filling up her Honda SUV in Tijuana six weeks ago. Are you saving a lot of money? Yes, I do. (laughs) Mercedes says that she's already saved around $50 since buying gas in Tijuana. This Chevron gas station near the Century Lane is selling gas for 22 pesos per liter which, after converting liters to gallons and pesos to dollars, comes out to 4.46 per gallon. That's almost $2 cheaper than California's current average of 6.42. Sonia Elena Lopez is an attendant at the gas station. She says roughly 70% of her customers are American. She says Americans are very good customers because they fill up the tank and they leave very generous tips. For the California Report, I'm Gustavo Solis, in Tijuana. Four years ago, then-Governor Jerry Brown signed a bill into law that unsealed internal official investigations into serious use of force, dishonesty, and sexual misconduct by peace officers. But California's prison officials aren't complying. That's according to a lawsuit filed on Tuesday by KQED, the producer of this show. With more, here's reporter Suki Lewis. A warning, the story details an incident of violence. 
Since the landmark transparency law went into effect, CDCR, the largest employer of peace officers in the state, has disclosed about 260 incidents. But KQED's complaint alleges it's still woefully behind and has repeatedly disregarded the new 45-day deadlines enacted by the legislature last year. The whole point of transparency and accountability is transparency in real time, accountability in real time. That's David Loy, Legal Affairs Director for the First Amendment Coalition. CDCR didn't comment on KQED's filing. But in an earlier email, a spokeswoman said the agency has been responsive and that it's working through years of disciplinary records and redacting hundreds of thousands of pages. They should not be allowed to stonewall and deny disclosure for two years or more just because they don't have their act together. KQED has also uncovered a number of cases that the agency overlooked or withheld, including one such incident that happened on July 20, 2016. We were in the cages and they started doing chow, chow release, and they didn't give us no spoons. Joshua Heckathorn serving time at Kern Valley State Prison for an attempted murder conviction. He was one of about 20 incarcerated men who were being transferred to the state prison in Tehachapi that day when a guy in another holding cell challenged the officer to open the door to his cage. He started fighting one-on-one, and when the CO started losing, uh, the other CO jumped in. They beat and pepper-sprayed the man. The spray made it hard for Heckathorn, who's got asthma, to breathe, and he started passing out. Heckathorn says Sergeant Robert Ruiz kept mocking him for reacting to the spray. So I said, like, do you think my life's a joke or what? Heckathorn says Ruiz came towards him with his fist up. I met him halfway, and it just exploded from there. He fought with the sergeant and a handful of other officers, one of whom hit him on the head with a baton. And it split my head open like I can hear it, hear it tear my scalp open. Once they got Heckathorn in handcuffs, records show they kept beating him. One officer grabbed the gun that shoots rubber bullets. And he put the, the barrel right on my leg, and he shot it point blank and split my leg open. Ultimately, Heckathorn would need 13 staples in his head and sutures on his legs, and both his hands were broken, according to medical reports provided by his lawyer. In 2018, the agency settled a lawsuit filed by Heckathorn for $575,000. After the incident, officers tried to cover it up, omitting information in reports, falsifying logs, and lying to investigators, according to internal documents from the Inspector General of Prisons. CDCR disciplined or fired 12 officers, four sergeants, and three lieutenants for a range of misconduct, including excessive force, dishonesty, and engaging in a code of silence. Lawyers for the officers either declined or did not respond to requests for comment. CDCR also referred the case to state and federal prosecutors, but both the Kern County DA and the U.S. Department of Justice declined to file criminal charges against any of the officers. If I would have sat there and beat someone like that, I would get time. You know what I mean? I would get probably life in prison. CDCR did not respond to specific questions about how this case was overlooked by their public records unit. The agency has about 30 days to respond to KQED's filing. For The California Report, I'm Suki Lewis. Support for The California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. Stanfordbloodcenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt 
whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that is this edition of the California Report for Wednesday, October 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. A reminder, we have a podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. NASA's SpaceX Crew-5 launched into space earlier today after days of delay due to Hurricane Ian. Despite a rocky start, the spaceflight is one for the records. Find out why, coming up on National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Astronaut Nicole Mann is making history, becoming the first Native American woman to go to space. Mann is part of the NASA SpaceX Crew-5, expected to launch to the International Space Station Wednesday. This will be Mann's first space flight since becoming an astronaut in 2013. Mann is the spacecraft commander. In August, she talked to National Native News about the mission. So I will fly uh, myself and three other crewmates. We will launch from Kennedy Space Center in a Dragon spacecraft, which is built by SpaceX. And we will take a day or so to get to the International Space Station. And we'll stay on board for about six months to execute our mission. Our spacecraft will stay attached that entire time. Then at the end of the mission, we'll come back home and we'll splash down off the coast of Florida. Man, Round Valley Indian Tribe says she's proud to represent Native people. I think your, your background and your heritage is an important part of who you are and your family and the community that brought you up. And so I think it's important also then to share with our communities what the amazing things that all of our, the people uh, that, you know, that we grew up with are, are executing and what they're doing. And so hopefully there's some young Native kids that are looking and see what amazing things, what amazing opportunities that they have in front of them. And I mean, a lot of those barriers that used to exist are really being broken down. Man is responsible for all phases of flight from launch to re-entry. She'll serve as flight engineer aboard the station. The team will conduct more than 200 scientific experiments during the mission. The Yorok tribe hosted the first statewide policy summit on missing and murdered indigenous people on Tuesday. The Northern California Tribal Summit on MMIP brought together tribal leaders, law enforcement, survivors, as well as state and federal lawmakers and academic researchers. Victim advocates were also in attendance. At a press conference, Yorok Vice Chairman Frankie Meyer says addressing MMIP needs a holistic approach. He adds the action needs to start now and include a number of partners, tribes, law enforcement, governments, and the nonprofit community. Meyer says MMIP did not happen overnight. It's an issue continuing for years. He urged the community to take it seriously. These are our people. These are our children. They're our families. Walk out for today, and I look forward to the actions to come. The summit examined the historical and present-day contributing factors to issues involving MMIP and explored remedies to reduce risks to indigenous people in the U.S. Members of the Yakima and Grand Ronde Nations asked the U.S. Supreme Court this week to hold the federal government accountable for bulldozing sacred sites to add a turn lane to a road near Mount Hood in Oregon. The native plaintiffs are seeking repair of the site, including removing an embarkment, replanting trees, and allowing the reconstruction of a stone altar. Plaintiffs say the area includes a burial ground. Tribal members say they've long used the land around Mount Hood to hunt and fish and for burials and ceremonies. 
The site at issue is along an old trading route, now followed by U.S. Highway 26. The tribal plaintiffs say they have long urged for protection. In 2008, the government bulldozed the site for the turn lane after failed negotiations with the government to restore the site. They pursued claims in federal court, urging protections under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and environmental laws. Lower courts have sided with the federal government. They're now taking their claims with Beckett Law Firm to the Supreme Court. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Let's take a look at today's local news. Nevada County Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters Gregory Diaz published an open letter Tuesday attempting to quash any doubt over the safety and validity of local voting practices and procedures in the upcoming November 8th elections. He wrote frankly, quote, Let me make it clear, in Nevada County, your vote, your ballot, is safe. Whether you vote in person at one of our vote centers or mark your ballot in the privacy of your home, and then drop it in the U.S. mail or an official ballot drop box or return it directly to the Nevada County elections. That vote will be counted by your elections department exactly as you and only you cast it. Diaz's full statement can be read on Ubinet.com. Ubinet has published a list of endorsements from retired and current educational leaders in Nevada County for three Nevada Joint Union High School District trustee candidates. The list includes a former NJUHD superintendent, Nevada County school principals, Nevada County Board of Education members, teachers, and program directors. The group of educational professionals are backing District 1 Nevada City and North San Juan candidate Olivia Pritchett, District 2 Grass Valley and Rough and Ready candidate Wendy Willoughby, and District 5 Alta Sierra and Lake of the Pines candidate Ken Johnson in the November 8th election. The three candidates are opposed by District 1 candidate Jenny Cicluna, District 2 appointed incumbent Stephanie Leishman, and District 5 candidate Jay Adamson. Modifications to the Mill Street Transformation Project moved through the Grass Valley City Council during last week's meeting, despite some concerns from downtown Grass Valley merchants. According to the City of Grass Valley, the project involves the transformation of Mill Street from Neal to West Main Street, and portions of Main Street, from Church Street to Richardson Street, to create a pedestrian-friendly town square atmosphere. The project was awarded to Sierra Foothills Construction Company, 
and last month physical construction began along Mill Street replacing waterline mains. Phase 1 between Main Street and Bank Street ideally starts in mid-January and involves building drainage systems, planters, trees, and lighting. Phase 1 is expected to last into March. Phase 2 of construction would be from Neal Street down to Bank Street and would also be fenced off ideally for a couple months. Quote, the goal is to have Phase 2 and therefore all of Mill Street, the major improvements, complete before the July 4th holiday, says City of Grass Valley's Bjorn Jones. This from the Union of Grass Valley. We're already halfway through the first week in October, and Sierra Theatres has launched their late-night spook fest, with, you guessed it, a late-night spook-themed movie series throughout the month of October at Del Oro Theatre in downtown Grass Valley. The series runs Friday and Saturday nights, beginning October 7th and continuing through October 29th. It features the 1987 Santa Cruz vampire cult classic The Lost Boys, 1985's The Goonies, Stephen King's 2017 remake of It, 2018's post-apocalyptic A Quiet Place, and finishes out with the final two installments in the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 58. Thursday, sunny with a high near 84. Today's air quality is good with an AQI average around 24. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 42. Thursday, sunny with a high near 76. The current air quality is good with an AQI average around 25. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 60. Thursday, partly sunny with a high near 91. Current air quality is good with an AQI average of 26. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. KVMR's Felton Pruitt is here, sharing everything you need to know about Nevada City's upcoming holiday events. Kicking it off with, what else, but a spooktacular downtown Halloween. You'll also get a sneak peek at Victorian Christmas preparations. That's all coming up next. We're talking with Lynn Screwcrude. She is the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Events Manager, and we've got some events coming up in October and later on, Lynn. Let's talk about them. Yeah, yeah, we have all of our Halloween events coming up at the end of the month, and so we're really looking forward to that. What does that include? Well, for the first year this year, we're doing our spooktacular trick-or-treating event on Halloween Day, Um, and that's going to be from 3 to 5 o'clock downtown, and it's open to kids, more geared towards younger kids who can come downtown with their families and trick-or-treat in a safe and fun environment. And we're really excited to be partnering with the county on this one, so they'll actually be having um, a safe trick-or-treat at the Root Center as well, and they'll be offering a free shuttle back and forth to go from the Root Center to downtown Nevada City so families can easily get to both locations. And that's all happening on Monday, October 31st? It is, yeah, from 3 to 5 p.m. That's nice that uh, Halloween's falling on a Monday this year. Yeah, kind of unfortunate because it's always fun when it's on a weekend, but it'll still be a, a fun time in Nevada City for sure. Well, as long as you keep the weather perfect like it is right now, we'll be great. Yep, we'll be making sure we keep it good. (laughs) And then what else is coming up? Well, our next big event is Victorian Christmas. And so that's the biggest event of the year. And 
Um, something we always look forward to. So we're starting to really gear up for that, even though we still have a couple of months away. We're um, gearing up and we have lots of vendors coming this year. And we're really looking forward to another exciting year for Victorian Christmas. Do you have the dates for that set yet? Yeah, so it'll be three Sundays, December 4th, 11th, and 18th. And the Sundays are from 1.30 to 6 p.m. And then the Wednesdays, it's two Wednesdays, December 7th and 14th. And those are from 5 to 9 p.m. Very good. And we just had um, a Constitution Day parade. That was a wonderful day, although not a lot of people came out because I guess they got scared off by whether it was going to rain or be smoky or whatever. And it turned out to be real nice. Yeah, it turned out to be a really beautiful day, but... Throughout the morning, it was smoky, and then it rained as we were getting set up, and so it was definitely a bit of an iffy day, but it turned out to be just gorgeous weather for the event, and it's always fun with the marching presidents and the reenactment of the signing of the Constitution. It's a really fun, unique event. Yeah, and then we've got, uh, what, are the, what are the normal big parades that Nevada City has every year? There's, um, what is there, Mardi Gras? Yeah, so there's Mardi Gras, which is coming up in February, and um, so that'll be February 20th, and Um, Kind of the exciting change this year is that the Wild and Scenic Film Festival date has changed. So it'll actually be taking place um, the same weekend as the Wild and Scenic this year. And so it's going to be a bigger, bigger party than ever. And it'll be a lot of fun. We're working really closely with Circle to, um, you know, sort of bring the two events together in a really fun way. And that'll be great for those who are here for the film festival and everyone who's used to attending Mardi Gras as well. Okay. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. this month, like you mentioned, we've got Halloween coming up on the 31st. Uh, Give people the website uh, they can go to to find out more information about the kids trick-or-treating. They can visit our website, which is nevadacitychamber.com. Very good. We've been talking with Lynn Screwcrude from the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. She's their events manager. Thanks for the info, Lynn. Thanks for having me. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, October 5th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Mal Paint and Glass, supplying Nevada County with paints, stains, and supplies since 1949. Offering custom color matching, airless paint sprayer rentals, and a full-service glass shop for residential and commercial projects. M-O-U-L-E paintandglass.com and the village at Palisades Tahoe and North Lake Tahoe Resort Association presenting Made in Tahoe celebrating local arts and artisans culture, food and music from the Tahoe Basin and Truckee October 8th and 9th from 11am to 5pm Made in Tahoe palisadestahoe.com The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza As always, thanks for tuning in I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.